Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series of messages on the book of Zechariah were recorded in Malaysia a number of years ago. Be sure to get a copy of Kevin's newly released commentaries on the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations, the book of Ezekiel, and the Minor Prophets. Available in paperback and e-back formats from Amazon.com and as immediate PDF downloads from kevinconnor.org forward slash shop. Just, uh, we're trying to, you know, always give a balanced view here because what I've found over my years, people grab a one scripture here, there, they're way over this extreme or over this extreme, and uh, just to try and uh, keep a balanced thing. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, felt moved emotionally there, but, you know, you know, Paul says uh, when he was writing concerning Israel, he said, I have great heaviness and burden in my heart for his own being. In fact, Paul felt so heavy about it. And he said, I wish I was accursed for Christ, from Christ for my brethren's sake. But you see, he'd been called to go as the apostle of the Gentiles, but he really felt it. So I think sometimes, you know, you feel that thing, but it's just to keep a balance on the whole thing uh, and not go, not go to either extremes. All right, now what I want to do in this session is I want you to turn your Bible to uh, uh, Zechariah again. And I'm trying to sort of in our next session uh, uh, still continue on a bit, but still leave a bit of time for some questions that uh, I've been given here. So let's turn to Zechariah chapter, chapter 12. And we're going to read the first uh, few verses again here. Uh, Zechariah chapter 12 and the first few verses again and then tell you where we're going here. Alright, so uh, here, verse 1, the burden of the word of the Lord against Israel, thus says the Lord, who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples, or a cup of trembling, uh, when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. It should happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone, a burdensome stone for all peoples, all who are it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. Right, I think I'll hold it part there. Now, what I want to do here, so I want to move now, say, from the present state of Jewry and what I believe uh, will happen, and I believe the Lord's putting a lot of pressure there, because uh, he wants to uh, visit the nation, and, uh, you know, we don't know exactly where we are here, but we certainly... Uh, believe we're in the time of the end, not the end of time, but just time of the end. So uh, what I want us to do in this uh, is just get the big picture. How many feel sort of looking at the big picture does help you? You know, sometimes you can get tied up in the details, but just seeing the big picture has helped me. So what we're going to look at in this uh, uh, here is the city of Jerusalem. So remember the 70 week prophecy and then what uh, um, Zachariah is going through. So the city of Jerusalem, uh, just the just the big picture, if you can. Now, in your in your notes um, that you've got here, uh, forget the title was, but in the key words on Zechariah, we found that the word Jerusalem was used 41 times. Now that's in your notes, but you might like to make a note of it. So Jerusalem. So uh, last night in my uh, preparation here, I went through every reference just to Jerusalem, just in the prophecy of Zechariah alone. And that's a, a study well worth looking at, what God says about it. So, uh, 
I want to do the uh, overall picture here, and so uh, Mr. Peter, now let's turn over to Psalm 122. So, well, what my base is here, and I believe we're living in that time, and uh, there's always been problems right through because uh, of God's purposes in that city. But the two things I want you to pick up here in, in Zechariah 12 is, number one, that God said he would make Jerusalem a cup of trembling or a cup of drunkenness. Uh, some translations actually put it, it's a cup of poison. So Jerusalem, it talked about the literal city, the actual city. So a cup of trembling, a cup of drunkenness, or a cup of poison, some translations say, to all the surrounding peoples. And uh, we all have to admit in our language, we say, Jerusalem as a city is a hot potato, to say the least. And it's going to increase. It's not going to get better, okay, for, for the reason we've been looking at. All right. And then number two in verse three, another symbol he uses here, uh, uh, not only a cup of drunkenness, it's also a stone. So in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone or a very heavy stone for all peoples and everybody would heave it away. You know all the problems we're having in know how to get the peace and everything out there. We'll surely be cutting pieces the whole nation's earth began. So two symbols the prophet uses there, cup of poison uh, and a very heavy stone. So a cup and a stone. Now let's turn over to Psalm 122 and... Uh, a scripture, and again, I want to try and present a very balanced view on this area. As I said, these uh, sessions were on now the most controversial, and uh, hopefully, I always try to present a balanced view. So, you'll have to have this session and then the next session uh, before we sort of finish everything here. Okay, so uh, Psalm 122 and verse 6. Psalm 122 and verse 6. And you've got to remember when the psalm was written and everything like that. And these psalms, all these psalms which are referred to as songs of degrees, uh, and most, most expositors, as far as I know, say, uh, agree with this, that these 15 psalms, pardon me, were actually quoted on the, on the house of Judah coming out of Babylon, back to Jerusalem. So, uh, like say... Um, Verse, uh, verse 1 of Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up uh, into the house of the Lord. Our feet will stand within your gates over Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city, uh, is built in a city that is compacted together. Whither the tribes go up, and so when they went up for the festival occasions, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, tribes would go up, the males are representing the tribes, and there were set thrones of judgment, and so forth. All right, now verse 6 is the verse we're after, and it says in this psalm, so you have to remember when the psalm was written, we're not sure who it was written by, although it does say a song of degrees of David, and um, 15 psalms, they say, they correspond to the 15 years uh, uh, where the sundial turned back 15 degrees for Hezekiah, and they say that 10 of the psalms were written by David, and 5 were written by Hezekiah. That's a whole study in itself. Alright, so now in verse, five, uh, verse 6 it says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, they shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. And uh, for my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, peace within you. Now, what I want us to look at here, this is the problem. In the psalm, remember, there is the house of the Lord. 
referring to the temple. There is no temple in Jerusalem today. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. The gates, Jerusalem's builders, the city compact together. Not very much today, for sure. Thrones of judgment, thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Then verse 9, because of the house of the Lord our God. So when the psalm was written, there was the city and the temple. No temple today. So now, how do we handle this? And this is what my whole purpose, and this is, what do we do with pray for the peace of Jerusalem? They shall prosper and love thee. So what I want us to sort of look at as a problem solution, I do not agree with people who go around different churches saying, every church that does not pray for the peace of Jerusalem is under a curse. So what do you do with a prayer like this? So we want to look at the big picture. All right, now, I want us to, um, uh, this will sort of be part one and part two. All right, now, I want us to go, I'm just going to have to do the big picture here because I've done, and, and just, just to let you know my fixations, which you already know, uh, I've done Jerusalem right through the total Bible, every reference to Jerusalem and the total Bible. I've done a lot on the history of Jerusalem as a city. I'll refer to that. So we're going to go way back here on the famous timeline. How many of you know everything hangs on this line? <laughs> Even me. <laughs> Even my son in law says a timeline has got to have the cross in it somewhere. <laughs> Which is wheeled down here. <laughs> so if you remember nothing else, you just remember that clothesline that Kevin hangs everything on. <laughs> Alright, now, so just a brief overview here and watching our time again. Okay, now, in my statement, we'll have to condense this, but I want to give you some main things because, I mean, for me, it was revolutionary, and just as the previous session, I have helped you, hope this one does on the city. That, that was on the people, jury, now we're looking at the city. Okay, now, way back in time here, approximate years, we have David, and of course, he's, uh, his uh, main soldier, uh, Joab, there. Uh, they conquered the hill of Zion. You know, back in Joshua's time, there was the city of Jebus, Jebus, from which we get eventually Jerusalem. But it wasn't conquered until the time of uh, David, and so he took uh, uh, the, the Mount of Zion, which became so important. Now, the main thing about the uh, uh, Mount Zion was the TD. I'll just put that for briefly. Tabernacle of David, the Davidic worship. That was the most important mountain there, Mount Zion. Beautiful situations, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion and so forth because of the Davidic worship that was established there and the Ark of the Covenant there. Okay. All right, now, the next thing, these are approximate dates, about B.C. 1049, uh, give or take a few years, whatever. The next most important king we see is Solomon and the next most important mountain we have is Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah. And why in Mount Moriah? Because the Temple of Solomon, I'll just put TS here, Temple of Solomon was built there, so the, the, the temple. And uh, this was the center of the city, so the heart of the city. So Jerusalem is a city, and uh, the whole thing there. Now, you might like to put this down. It's very interesting to go back to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, we find that uh, when Abraham was told to offer his only begotten son on a particular mount, he was offered up on Mount Moriah. And when, when, uh, when, uh, when uh, uh, the word came to Abraham, the mountain of the Lord shall be seen, it's ultimately referring to the picture here because uh, Mount Moriah 
the foundation of the temple in Mount Moriah was on the foundation of a sacrifice only begotten son, typically, three days and three nights. So the house of the Lord had its foundation on the son, the father and son, son sacrifice, Isaac, the only begotten son of the Old Testament, three days journey. In other words, pointing to Calvary, that the church is God's temple, would be built on the foundation of three days and three nights. So God's, you know, in his divine jigsaw puzzle. All right, so we have the uh, city there now. The name of the city, Jerusalem, uh, means Jehovah Shalom, or the Lord is peace, or the city of peace. It's certainly anything but that today. Okay, let me say that again. So uh, the name Jerusalem interpreted means the city of peace. Uh, the Lord is peace, or, and it involves the redemptive name of Jehovah Shalom, the Lord sent peace. Now, the city was chosen by God, and so when we say from God's point, why did God choose this city? Okay, well, God had to choose some place in earth, and for his purposes, he chose uh, the land of uh, Israel, of Palestine, the Holy Land, it's called, and he chose city, uh, the city of Jerusalem, for his redemptive purposes. All right, now I want us to put down here some of the tremendous promises here. Uh, let's go over to Deuteronomy chapter 12. So Tabernacle Day of Temple of Solomon. And so the Temple of Solomon lasted for about approximately, please, you know, to give or take a few years, about 443 years, somewhere in there, give or take. And then in B.C. 606, which we've looked at in Daniel, B.C. 606, the city and the temple were destroyed. So here is the glory of the temple. Now, just put down here some of the scriptures I'll, I'll give you, just what God says about, about the place. But let's turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. And I'm just trying to touch on the high spot because having done this uh, right through the Bible, I've got to condense a bit. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Everybody breathing? Yes. Yes. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, if you haven't marked your Bible like I encourage you to do, I want you to notice two expressions that are used here. And first of all, it's the place and then the name. The place and the name. So way back in Deuteronomy before, when the, when the tabernacle of Moses was in existence, before the tabernacle of David, before the temple of Solomon was built, notice what God says, okay? In verse, um, uh, I'm reading from old authorized on this one. In verse uh, uh, 2, just uh, for time's sake only, he says, When you get into the land, you will utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which you shall possess serve their gods. So the places where their gods were, destroy them. And then in connection with that, verse 3, You shall hew, hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. In other words, don't take the gods and stick them in your missionary department. <laughs> and ask the Holy Spirit to move on people's hearts for missions. And in a way, Westerners do those things. Bring the evil spirits into the mission department. So there. Now, verse 5. But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, the place and the name, even unto his habitation shall you seek, and thither shall you come, and thither you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your offerings, 
uh, your vows, your free will offerings, personally of your herds and flocks. Everything is to be brought to the place where his name was recorded. Verse 11. Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. So a place for his name, a place where his name is to dwell. And you've got to bring all your offerings, your tithes, and so forth. Verse 14. But in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of your tribes. Verse 18. But you must eat them before the Lord your God in the place which the Lord your God shall choose. Uh, go down to verse uh, 21. If the place which the Lord your God has chosen to put his name there be too far, be, far from you. So place uh, for his name. And then finally verse 26. Only the holy things which you have in your vows you shall take and go unto the place which the Lord shall choose. All right. So the main thing I want to pick up here is that God chose the city and the temple as a place for his name. So everybody had to gather to the name of the Lord. That was the place where his name was. There were the offerings, the sacrifices, and so forth. Put down some of these scriptures without turning to them because I've got to do the big overview. In, um, in the book of uh, Kings, in Solomon's time, the Kings, you'll notice the emphasis on the city here. And so forth. First Kings chapter 11, verse 13. And God says, I'm just partly quoting verses, for Jerusalem's sake which I have chosen. So Jerusalem's sake which I have chosen. First Kings 11, 13. Uh, First Kings 11, 32. The city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. So out of all the tribes, all the cities of Judah, God chose the city of Jerusalem, city of peace. Now, Try and sort of remember the jigsaw puzzle in our next session. We'll bring it all together. Okay, so 1 Kings chapter 15. 1 Kings 15, verses 4 and 36. 1 Kings 15, verse 4 and 36. And God says concerning David, uh, David, my servant, shall always have a, a lamp, a light before me in Jerusalem. Now, of course, these are pro promises that we question because where is David today? Where's the kingdom of David? Where's the throne of David? Where's anything in the light of these promises? Okay, and then uh, uh, one other scripture here. 1 Kings 15, verse 36. 1 Kings 15, verse 36. And God says, The city which I have chosen to put my name there. So I've just given you several promises. So over and over again in the Old Testament, the Lord talks about, I've chosen this city and chosen this house. And uh, I've chosen the city of Jerusalem and put my name there. So there's a chosen place for his name. And in the psalm we read, the tribes go up to the name of the Lord, to the house of the Lord, to the city of God. Our, our, our feet shall stand within your gates, O Jerusalem. So very beloved city. And of course in the city was the temple of God. Alright, now let's go way over. I'm going to skip so much here. Tabernacle of David, the city of God, and the Psalms are just full of it. Our feet shall stand within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is compacted together, built as a city where the tribes go up to the name of the Lord. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is around his people forever. Uh, if, I, if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem, praise your God. The Lord shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. Numerous, numerous scriptures there. All right, now, over the years, 
what happened as we look at the city, so from about 1049, somewhere there, the glory of the city is the only city in the world that God chose to put his name there. Only city where the Shekinah glory of God came and dwelt in the tabernacle, uh, the temple, pardon me, and Solomon's uh, prayer when the glory came down, the fire came. Only city in the whole world that God ever chose to let there be a visible manifestation of his glory. Now, what we see happening over the years we see not long after that, even in Solomon's time, we start to see decline. Okay, so you can put here, decline. Now I'm just going to refer to some of these things here. And we find that once the decline came, God said to Solomon, okay, as long as you obey my word, keep my covenant, then my glory, my presence will be here. But he says, if you don't, he said, then this city and this, uh, uh, the, the house which is called by my name, he'll destroy the thing. So over the years, we just see apostasy start to set in and different kings. And so on some of my notes here in B.C. Uh, 9-7, in Jerusalem was pl uh, plundered by Shishak, king of Egypt, and he took the treasures away. B.C. 8-84, Jerusalem was plundered again by the Philistines and by the Arabs. B.C. 808, by the C.D. Jerusalem was plundered by the Israelites and King Jehoash. Uh, B.C. 710, Jerusalem was plundered by Sennacherib uh, of uh, Assyria. B.C. 610, Jerusalem is taken again by Pharaoh Necho in Josiah's time. And then in 598 and uh, onwards here, we have the incursion. So the city and the temple is destroyed by Babylon. So when you look at the city over the years, You've only got, you know, 450 years, maybe, give or take there, where there's any glory. But gradually the decline uh, in the house of the Lord and in the city of Jerusalem. All right, so that's, that ends that. And see, put down, put down a couple of these scriptures. 1 Kings 9. 1 Kings 9 and verse 1 to 9. And in that chapter, God forewarned Solomon that he would cut Israel out of the land and the house which he had hallowed for his name would be cast out of his sight, and that the city would be destroyed. So you find warning after warning. I've got a whole list of them. God warned Solomon. He warned Josiah. He spoke through Jeremiah. I want you to go over to Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7. And remember, we are leaping from the mountains and skipping from the hills on this one. So that, so that you... Uh, <laughs> So that at least you get a balanced, reasonably balanced picture uh, because of some other things I need to say. I hope nobody's wanting a refund on any of this. <laughs> I mean, think you're getting your money's worth. Okay, okay go over to Jeremiah chapter 7. So Jeremiah chapter 7 and very, very strong language. Okay, Jeremiah... Uh, chapter 7. The word uh, that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah who enter into at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I'll cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if you thoroughly amend your ways, and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, heard that before, do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods he heard, then I'll cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. 
Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods who you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name, and saying, We are delivered to do all these abominations? Has this house which is called by my name become, and so the city had his name in, the house had his name in, has it become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, even I have sinned, says the Lord. But now go to my place which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you've done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear, and I called, but you did not answer. Therefore I will do to this house, which is called by my name, in which you trust, and, in, and to this place, which I gave to you and your fathers, just like I've done to Shiloh, and I'll cast you out of my sight, as I've cast out all your brethren, the whole posterity of Ephraim, the northern kingdom. There, verse 16, I've said it before. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession uh, to me, for I will not hear. That's how bad the thing was. So, Jeremiah, as we've seen, he's prophesying the destruction of the city and destruction of the temple. So, Babylon, that was happened now. As we go through, so Jerusalem is a city, desolated, temple burnt down, and we only have about 450 years, so give or take a few, and just the continual decline. Now Ezekiel's prophesying at the same time, and in the visions the Lord gives Ezekiel, the Lord takes him by the hair of his head, poor God, uh, in visions to Jerusalem, to the temple. And in the temple he sees the priest performing all sorts of abomination, burning incense to the Queen of Heaven, their Easter buns, their hot cross buns. <laughs> More truth than that than you realise. Okay? And, uh, and God says, and he sees the Shekinah glory gradually leaving the temple. And so Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel all see the desolation. Okay, now what happened? 70 years later, this chart is not the scale, I'm sorry. 70 years later, we have a restoration of the city and of the temple. So period of restoration, and in this time we have the restoration uh, by the restoration prophets. So the Lord had been warning them right through uh, what would happen now. Under this temporary restoration, why don't you put a couple of these scriptures, which the prophets talk about. And see, honestly, saints, you know, I know, I know this is my touch of humor and that, but you see, if people would do their work properly, then you wouldn't be quoting the verses here and out of context and building a whole thing up, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Let's put it all together. All right, now listen to uh, some of the scriptures here. Daniel chapter 9, which we've been working through, 24 to 27. From the going forth of the commandment to restore and uh, build the city. So uh, the 70-week prophecy belongs here. The restoration of the city and the temple after the 70 years captivity. So, uh, so as I said the other day, one of the major reasons, in fact I believe the major reason, the major reason God brought a remnant out of Babylon, brought them back to Jerusalem and rebuilding the city was to hold them there to the coming of the Messiah, the first coming. Had to hold them there and the temple as a religious thing and the city is the political thing, even though they were under Gentile rule, it held them there in the land. So, put down a couple of these scriptures. Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 11. Isaiah 40, 1 to 11. 
and uh, a prophecy that involves John the Baptist, as we see later on, speak comfortably to Jerusalem, saying, her warfare is accomplished. And then we have the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. So, that was another reason. Isaiah chapter 52, just put down the chapter. Awake, awake, O Jerusalem, for the Lord has redeemed Jerusalem. And he refers to Jerusalem as the holy city, holy because of the coming of Christ. Isaiah chapter 62. Isaiah chapter 62, verses 1 through to 12. All these prophecies concerning the restoration of Jerusalem. And he says, For Zion's sake and for Jerusalem's sake will I not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as a burning lamp, and the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness. Okay, so pointing there. And then um, uh, Zephaniah, Zephaniah, uh, no, Zechariah. That's right. Zechariah, I'm going to start talking in tongues soon. Then you'll really have to interpret. Okay, Zechariah chapter 1, verse 12 to 17, which we've been looking at. Zechariah 1, 12 to 17. I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, and a line shall be stretched uh, forth upon Jerusalem. Zechariah chapter 2. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 1 to 13. He sees the man with the measuring line measuring Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be inhabited, a wall of fire, the glory in the midst. And then um, Zechariah chapter 8, just put down the chapter, and remember 41 references to Jerusalem in, in Zechariah. I am returned to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth. So many, many prophecies concerning the restoration of, of Jerusalem. Now, as we've done in Daniel, you'll find that uh, over the years, uh, Jerusalem and Palestine was the battleground between kings of the north, kings of the south, all that problem. Now, let's go way down to uh, the, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is God's ultimate purpose, I mean, at this time. So, where is Jesus born? He's born in Bethlehem of Judea and Jerusalem. Jesus born in Jerusalem in Bethlehem, the house of bread. All right, um, uh, Matthew 5, verse 35. Matthew 5, verse 35. Jesus said, don't swear by heaven or, or earth. Don't swear by the hair of your head, if you're not bald. <laughs> and don't swear by Jerusalem, because it's the city of the great king. So what does Jesus say about Jerusalem, the city of the great king? And then uh, John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Jesus claims the temple, the house of God at Jerusalem. So you see Jesus in his ministry. It all centers about Jerusalem and the city. So the restored temple, the restored city, and Jesus' ministry there. So as I said, they were held there just to be there for the first coming of the Lord, coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then uh, John chapter 12 and verse 12. John 12 verse 12. And Jesus came riding into the city on a donkey, riding into Jerusalem. So no, no city in the world had ever seen anything like that. Now, I want you to go to uh, Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Just let's keep leaping upon the mountains and skipping upon the hills. Matthew chapter 23. So no city in the world. So here we have three and a half years now of Christ's ministry for the cross. And no city in the world, all the prophecies of the Old Testament about the city of Jerusalem, the glory of Jerusalem, the joy of the whole earth, the place for my name, 
the wonderful ministry of Christ, the only city in the world that's seen the most amazing miracles and signs and wonders under the Messiah's ministry, yet having had the prophets as well. And now, we come to the close of this three and a half years ministry, and listen to what happens now. In Matthew 23 and verse 37, Matthew 23 and verse 37, O Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stones those who were sent to you, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left unto you desolate. So after the three and a half years of Christ's wonderful, amazing ministry, he, he now weeps over the city. I mean, you know, you have to, you know, you have, you have to sort of feel the heart of Christ as he looked back over the city of Jerusalem, the glory of Solomon's temple, the glory of God, the fire of God, and then how, you know, the prophets came, priests of the people, then the Babylonian captivity, destruction of the city and temple, and then the restoration of it, and now what's happened, all the conflict over the years. Now he's come as the Messiah, the Son of God himself. He's cleansed the temple, ministered in the city, but the city is rejecting him. Wow, sad thing. So he laments over the city, oh Jerusalem. Now not only does he lament over the city, go over to Luke chapter 21 again. Luke chapter 21. So he says, your house left unto you desolate. And uh, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 21. And we pick up again in verse 20. And when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. And then in verse 22, These be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to them that with child, and he gives the terrible distress that was going to happen. Distress in the land, and wrath upon this people, they shall be fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive by the ordinations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down, of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now this is Christ's word. So now the city has rejected him, and so what happens? Again, this thing. In AD 70, 40 years later, here's your next little bit on your diagram. Okay, AD 70, God allows the New Testament Babylon, Rome, which most accept, 40 years later, 40 years of grace, and so the Roman army, Prince Titus, and the Roman armies, they come in and they do to Jerusalem and the city what Nebuchadnezzar did way back here. So the city is desolated and the temple is destroyed. Now the Jews have never had a temple since that time. Okay, now what does Jesus do? These are Jesus' words concerning the holy city, the beloved city and everything like that. He reaches way out here, this is not the scale, he says that Jerusalem would be trodden down until the times of the Gentiles. So, first of all, he prophesies the destruction of the temple, prophesies the destruction, desolation of the city, and then he says Jerusalem's going to be trodden down. So, here we are in this period of time where the city is trodden down of the Gentiles and all the conflict of, over the city. Uh, I don't want to bore you with history, but... Um, the gospel goes out from Jerusalem and trying to skip through things here. So in AD 70, yes, listen to some of the, uh, uh, the history of the city that I've gone through over the years. 
are you enjoying history? Is everybody feeling inspired here? Let's give you the big picture. All right, AD 70, Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman armies under Prince Titus. Uh, AD 30, the city was rebuilt by Hadrian. AD 335, Emperor Constantine founded the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, AD 614, Jerusalem taken by the Persians. 637, Jerusalem taken by the Sakians. Is that it? Is that Saracens? Anyway, 1076, Jerusalem taken by the Turks. At 1098, it was assigned to Egypt. 1099, Jerusalem taken by the Crusaders. 1187, Jerusalem taken by Saladin. 1228, Jerusalem assigned to the Christians. 1243, taken again by the Kerizimians. Anybody got a name like that? Uh, 1517, Jerusalem taken by the Ottomans and the Turkish Empire. 1832, assigned to Egypt. 1841, assigned to Turkey. 1870, Jewish colonization from Europe begins. 1878 onwards, about 55,000, 70,000 immigrants arrived from Russia, Poland, France, and Germany. 1897, the Zionist movement founded. How many think that uh, Jerusalem is a burdensome stone? And a hot potato? For anybody who touches it? 1914, First World War, immigrants arrived in the thousands. 1917, and that's always an interesting part of history that uh, when General Allen B, who the Arabs thought was Allah B, that's <laughs> history, that they surrendered without firing a shot. And the Jerusalem was given to the British and in due time. So there's something in the sovereignty of God overall about it. 1918, the British take over Palestine and given the mandate over Palestine by the League of Nations. Uh, in AD 22 Jewish population, 11% of total, and then we have the clashes between the Arabs and everything like that. Hitler in power, Palestine a war base. Uh, yeah, how much history do you want? Okay, so simply to say, Jerusalem will be a burdensome stone for all nations that touch it. All right, so this condition was to continue right through times of the Gentiles. So you can put up here the times of the Gentiles without setting dates. So, Jerusalem to be trodden down, time to the Gentiles to all be fulfilled. Okay, now, let's see where we need to go here on my beautiful chart. Anybody like a copy of my chart? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you would need translation. Okay, now, in, uh, I think it is a significant thing that in AD 1917, God used the British under the Balfour Declaration to give the city that land and make Palestine a home for Israel. Something about that. All right, so time. Now, here we are, I believe, way down here, Zechariah chapter yeah, 12, 13, 14, all in here, I believe, we're in this time when we see, as never before, that Jerusalem is a burdensome stone, a heavy stone for all those who uh, burden themselves with it. So you disunited nations, everybody. I don't, this is my own personal belief. I don't believe any of them are going to find an answer to the issue because God's got to step in and think. So I think God's dealing with the, uh, the people, and I think the city's just going to continue to be a hot potato, as we'll say, until the end of time. All right, now let me just see where I need to go here. Who else? 
I think what we'll do, it's a few minutes early, I think we'll take our 10 minutes break because I need to move into the next section and then we'll bring it all again. So why don't we take our 10 minutes break now? Okay, that'll be the best. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching. Visit kevinconnor.org for more information.